Do you like Lent? I love Lent. Do you? Oh, yeah. Is it your favorite liturgical season? Uh, Do you have a favorite liturgical season? No, I'm not good with questions like that. Little boxes. You don't like little boxes. (laughs) You just want to, you choose all. I I see, I I love all the seasons. (laughs) Each season. Hop out. Each season has a wonderful gift that other seasons don't have. You're the worst. (laughs) You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Leadham to Life. Happy Fat Tuesday. Happy Fat Tuesday, Padre. Thanks, Emily. It's great to be here with you. And happy almost Lent. Um, We are going to do this episode all about how to really engage in the season of Lent, what it's about. But I have the one, the only, the marvelous, the wonderful, the <laughs> oh shoot, I ran out of titles. Father Scott Trainer. <sighs> the crowd goes wild. Welcome to Lead Him to Life, Padre. It's great to be here. Thank I invited you. you back. I'm so glad. <laughs> so uh, that's not says fired from Lead Him to Life. <laughs> that's good. Okay, tell us a little bit about who you are, um, where you currently serve, that kind of stuff. Thanks. Well, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I was ordained in the Jubilee year of 2000, and I've had a great adventure over 20 years of priesthood and a lot of different assignments. Right now, I'm serving as uh, our vicar for lay and clergy formation for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. So I get to work with uh, Chris Gallagher, <laughs> Chris Bergwald. Chris and Gallagher. Eric, you know, those guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Eric Bergwald. Chris Bergwald and Eric Gallagher in the Discipleship and Evangelization Office and the great team there. And help out with a bunch of other things, helping uh, parishes and schools and groups in our diocese hear and respond to Bishop's vision of lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. And someday I want to do an entire episode just on on that vision and what that means, even for people. Sure. I have a lot of listeners that are not just in in the diocese of Sioux Falls, but beyond, um, or that are not even Catholic, but would love to do a whole episode on just what the heck that even means and what's bishops desire for the faithful in our diocese really oriented towards a flourishing and, and holy life yeah. um, and to share that with others. But today we are preparing to go into the desert. <laughs> I don't like Lent. Oh, Is I that love terrible? Lent. I mean, I shouldn't say that I don't like it. I just don't like to suffer. I don't like to be challenged. I don't know. I'm just messing with you. But actually, I feel like right now, like I'm just in a season of suffering Mm. uh, because I'm pregnant. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, I actually think it's really good for me. And my husband and I were just talking this morning how we're really ready for it. And and it's always just good to kind of in some ways use it as as a reset point, which is probably not the greatest way to look at Lent. But I think a lot of us experience it that way, right? Where we... So here, here's things. a hot take for you. Okay, go. I think Lent is God's plan for us every year. Okay. To spare us and lift us out of miseries that we are so familiar with, we don't even notice them. <gasps> okay, say more about that. Well, as what, it turns what? out, as it turns out, sin makes us miserable. Yeah. Right. Tell so me about it. God's commandments are ordinances of love for us. So God knows that if we do these things that he commands us and we don't do the things he prohibits us to do in the commandments, that we will be happy and free and flourishing human beings Yes, as his beloved sons and daughters. 
And when we live in a way contrary to God's commandments, these ordinances of love, it brings misery into our life. And God, in his love for us, would spare us that misery. But we know that those things can just become very familiar. Mm-hmm. I, I do love the image. Uh, it's an old movie. You're very young. Uh, but The Mission with Jeremy Irons and uh, Robert De Niro. Okay, yeah, it's never a, seen it. Never seen it. It's a movie, I think it's from the 80s. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was a really well-made movie, but it's about these uh, Jesuit missionaries down in uh, South America. And Robert De Niro is a, like a conquistador. Okay. But he has a conversion because he's, he's he doesn't want to kill people anymore. That's good. And uh, as part of his self-imposed penance, he starts dragging around this cargo net full of all like his armor and weapons all through the jungles following after Jeremy Irons, who's this Jesuit priest character. Uh-huh. Okay? And in one dramatic moment of the movie, they're climbing up this waterfall and he's hauling this net and he's almost slipping to his death. And they finally get up in the top and there's this tribe of native peoples uh, that, you know, he, that De Niro had done a lot of harm to. And like the, one of the, chiefs from that tribe takes out this sword and you like, like you thinking this is going to be the moment of vengeance. He's going to die. But in fact, he cuts the rope and kicks that cargo net full of all the stuff that De Niro had been dragging around back down the waterfall. And it's this like huge moment of like forgiveness and reconciliation and liberation. Right. I love that. So uh, in my experience, for sure, um, there are lots of things that I carry around in my life. Uh, that it's only in the aftermath when God sets me free from them that I recognize what a burden I was lugging around that God didn't want me to lug around. Right. So the practices that we're invited to in Lent isn't just to like, let's get morose. Uh-huh. They're actually remedies for us t- so that God can lift us out of misery that has become so familiar, burdens that are so familiar that we don't even know we're dragging around all the time. Right. But once they're, we're free from them, we're all like, oh, this right. is so much better. So besides self-awareness, well, maybe along with self-awareness, talk about how do people become aware of that throughout the process of Lent, throughout the practices, mm-hmm. the Lenten penances that we do or the almsgiving that we that we um, enter into. How does that bring about a greater awareness, if you will, of the armor that we're dragging around? Yeah. So uh, it's a fantastic question. Give me a moment to think. Here we go. So Bishop's vision for our diocese, lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that last phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our invitations to uh, you know the main practices of Lent are prayer and fasting and almsgiving, right? Yep. Um, in those uh, practices, they are all specific pathways to have a greater experience of God's love. And when the love of God shines more brilliantly in my heart, I more readily see the obstacles, those ways that I've pulled away from God's love or those ways that it's hard for me to believe and receive the truth that God loves me unconditionally and personally. Uh, They become, uh, as God's love grows, more clearly defined. I can see them in sharp and clear relief. And that it's the best way. It's really the only way to grow in a true self-knowledge is in the light of God's love for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you had somebody listening mm-hmm. that's like, Father Scott, I have not felt the love of God in a long time mm-hmm. or ever, or what does, how, I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about God's mm-hmm. love. What would you say to them? 
Uh, I'm like, oh man, I told you I didn't have my questions prepared, but I am feeling it. <laughs> that was a good question. In, in law, that's called an admission against interest. <laughs> what you just say? Anyways, um, so, okay, God's so, love. God's I've never love. felt it. What do never, I do? Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Okay. Uh, first of all, is if you're going to give something up for Lent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the example I always give is that growing up, uh, I drank a lot of Coca-Cola. I love me some Coca-Cola. Okay. And so uh, when I was a little kid, I used to give up sugar. When I was older. Bottle or can. Huh? Bottle or can. <laughs> this says a lot about you. Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally valid. It totally depends. Yes. Uh, now, if you can give me an old school glass bottle. Yeah. Nothing better than that. Yep. Ice cold. Oh, yeah. Glass bottle. Preach. Maybe with real sugar instead of high fructose yep. corn syrup. Like the, the stuff that's made in Mexico. Yeah. Have you ever had Mexican yeah, yeah, Coke? Yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love okay. <laughs> All right. Apart from that, uh, I'm pretty good either with the can or the plastic bottle. You know what you got to do? What's that? Pour it over ice. Always. Always. Oh. It's so much better. Okay. Okay. Continue. You're a Coca-Cola person. But what we, are you going to give but up? But we digress. <laughs> but we digress. I've been on a Coke kick oh. recently. <laughs> that sounds really bad. On a Coca-Cola kick. <laughs> This is really going downhill quickly. And, but I don't like drinking it out of the can because it hurts. Do you know oh, what I'm saying? It hurts. Yeah. Like, mm. do you ever have, like, you drink a soda and it's like, oh, it just like burns. Mm. Do you, you don't know what I'm talking no, about? Sorry. Okay. There's some listener that's nodding along in their car right mm-hmm. now that's like, yeah, preach, Emily. I am mm-hmm. so with you. But if you pour it over ice, it's so much more refreshing, so much more satisfying. Just you wait. That's great. Try it next time. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for that pro tip. Lent. Don't drink Coke during Lent. So when I give a Coke during Lent, there are certain moments uh, where I really miss it. Like, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm eating certain kinds of food that just really need a Coke with them. Like fries need a Coke. Yeah. Amen. Pizza needs a Coke. Totally. And the point is, whatever we're giving up, our our voluntary penance, whatever we're fasting from or giving up during Lent, I want it to be something that I'm really going to notice that's tangible, that there's a little pinch to it. And it's not like if it's harder, it's better. It's really that it grabs my attention regularly. I don't want to like give up something that I'm never going to notice. But mm-hmm. as my parishioners for 20 years would be well familiar, here's the main thing. Whatever I'm going to give up for Lent, I want to tie that. I want to yoke that or harness that to a grace that I'm asking from God for myself to help me grow in relationship with God. Okay. And have that clearly in mind so that when I'm missing my Coke, I'm like, why is this water here instead of my Coke? It's a tangible reminder to seek after this intangible spiritual good. Mm-hmm. So for your listener who's like, I don't know that I've ever experienced God's love. Great. Make that the grace that you're asking for every day during Lent. God, that I might have a whole new lived experience of your personal and infinite and unconditional love for me beyond mm-hmm. all I can ask or imagine. Mm-hmm. Like that's ask mm-hmm. for a lived experience, a felt experience. Mm-hmm. of God's love. That's a great thing to ask for. That is not selfish. Like when we ask good things from God for ourselves to help us in relationship with him, yeah. that's not selfish. It's not, it's, it is honoring God because God has commanded us to seek and knock and ask and to do so persistently, consistently. Mm-hmm. So we really honor God. We really express our trust and our belief in God when we ask for these good things. And there's nothing better for us than to experience more of God's love because that's, what we were created by and what we're created for mm-hmm. is to know his love fully. So that I would be, would be my number one tip is I haven't really had this experience. How can I grow in this experience? Ask God to bless you with it yeah. and he will show up. 
Number two uh, is to really ask God to help you notice because God has been loving you every moment of your life. In the best moments of your life, God is loving you with his unconditional and infinite love. In the darkest and worst moments of your life, God is loving you with his yeah. infinite and unconditional love. Yeah. But <clears throat> the, the challenge is, do I recognize that? Do I see that? Can I receive that? And there's a lot of things that can get in the way of that in our lives. So um, if I corner a person, <laughs> if I corner a person <laughs> yeah. and say, hey, how is God loving you right now? That can be a hard question for people to answer. Yeah. It can be a hard question for me to answer yeah. in a given moment. Yeah. But if you go at it another way and say, hey, what are you especially grateful for? Not what you should be grateful for. That doesn't help yeah. so much. But oh, just like, just what do you notice that you're especially grateful for? Big things or little things, things that have happened today or things that happened a long time ago. So as it turns out, uh, gratitude that's alive in our heart uh, is like a flag that's planted. And right under that flag is like right here. This is how I've experienced real love. So when I encounter the love of God, the natural thing that happens in my heart is my heart is grateful. So it might be hard for someone to say like, well, I kind of think like I've heard that God loves me, but how in particular is he expressing his love for me? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if you ask people like, hey, what are you especially grateful for today? Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's something that happened today or years ago, but is on your mind today, mm -hmm. people usually have very clear and distinct answers to that. And those right behind the gratitude is this experience of God's love directly in your heart or through other people in your life. Okay, so can we play that out a little bit? Can yeah. I ask you that question? What? Okay, so Father Scott, what yes. are you especially grateful for today? <laughs> I'm well, I'm especially grateful for a number of things. Uh, I'm especially grateful for I had mass with the the Adoration Sisters here at the mm -hmm. cathedral, which I do most Mondays through Fridays. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful for their witness of life, of what's most important, that they spend this time in adoration mm -hmm. and in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So I was just filled with a particular gratitude for the sisters today. Mm -hmm. uh, I went from there. I walked over here to the chancery to my office. I'm so grateful for the team of people I get to work with in the d &E office and throughout the chancery. It's an amazing group of people. Today, I'm very grateful for uh, the vision and leadership of our bishop. Mm -hmm. and the good things that are unfolding in our diocese because of that and the beautiful responses that I see people making as I travel here and there. Mm -hmm. So those are just a few things that happen to be on my mind today that I'm particularly grateful for. I'm really grateful it's sunny out, although yeah. it's like 20 below. Yeah. It is sunny out, and yeah. I'm mostly solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> I have a better day when it's sunny. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, so let's use that example. Mm -hmm. How is your gratitude for it being sunny today mm -hmm. rooting you and reminding you of God's infinite love for you? Well, who created the sun, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. it's what it is, is just like, hey, this beautiful thing, right? And I know it helps my mood in the day, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and makes whatever work I have to do more mm -hmm. enjoyable, mm -hmm. right? And that's mm -hmm. a really good thing. And mm -hmm. I've just noticed over time that that happens yeah. when it's sunny out as opposed to when it's like a gray yeah. Not sunny yeah. day. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And uh, God like labors to express his love in tangible ways. Mm -hmm. So even in Genesis chapter one, God created man and woman in his own image and likeness. Mm -hmm. He blessed them. He gave them a mission. And then he gave them gifts. See, I give to you all these things mm -hmm. as tangible expressions of his love. Mm -hmm. So uh, as St. Ignatius says, spiritual consolation, which is the felt experience of God's love or presence or power. Uh, one of the signs of that is that I can love no created thing on the face of the earth in itself 
but only in the creator of them, uh, creator and Lord of them all. Meaning when I look at the sunny day, I don't just see like, oh, random chance, it's a sunny day out. Like, no, the sun and the beauty of it is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And it's a personal expression. And I can receive that as a gift mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. as a tangible expression of his love. Yeah. And I know that probably seems like a duh sort of question because you laid it out so beautifully. But I I love that example because it's so ordinary. Mm-hmm. It's in the ordinary experience of life, of paying attention to what are we grateful for, that we actually can encounter something far mm-hmm. beyond what's seen um, in the visible world. And um, so, yeah, I think just to help, well, maybe talk a little bit about because that's a cultivation of a habit too. It is. Like I'm sure that Father Scott as a 18-year-old who encountered right Christ was not suddenly like, Wow. This Coke is amazing, and it's God's gift to me today. That's right. Or maybe you were, right? right? But but that's that's a cultivation of a habit. Mm-hmm. So how do you really discipline the heart and the interior life to begin to pay attention to those things? Yeah, and here we go with the invitation to pray during Lent. Mm-hmm. I just need to take some time aside from, you know, you know how it is, uh, uh, the busyness and demands of daily life. Like you can just go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, collapse in bed, wake up in the morning and repeat. Oh gosh, yeah. You know, it's so easy to do. Yeah. And <clears throat> one of the invitations we have in Lent is to be more intentional about setting time aside for prayer. Like I'm going to turn my heart and mind to God. And just even before that, just taking a time aside from my other activity mm-hmm. and entering into a moment of stillness or silence. Mm-hmm. If I start in that stillness of silence, this is a great place to start of asking the Holy Spirit to bring to mind things I'm especially grateful for. Mm-hmm. And as they come to mind, actually saying thank you to God for them. And if I'm doing those things with this intention or desire, asking God that I might experience more of his love for me, I guarantee you this will just unfold for people, even if it's a totally brand new idea for them. Everyone's capable of this. God is eager to help us enter into this deeper experience of his love by way of gratitude. It really happens. But even just stepping aside in that silence, I can think of like, oh, what am I grateful for? Well, the things we're grateful for, we recognize as gifts. And then to consider, where did this gift come from? There's a giver. Behind every gift, there is a giver. And something's being expressed when a gift is given, which is love. And when people love each other and they express that love through giving gifts, what we're really giving is uh, ourselves, ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we've had a chance on Lead Them to Life to talk about my favorite dandelion theology. No. No? I don't think so. Oh, heavens. But I am ready for it. Ready for this? Yeah, go. So uh, little boys come to find out that mom loves flowers, that flowers make mom's day, right? And I'm like, ooh, as a little boy, four or five years old, I want to get mom some flowers. And I show up at the grocery store, like tagging along with mom, and I sneak away to that part up front where they have flowers. Yeah. And flowers are like 15 bucks. Yeah. And I'm five. I don't have 15. Unless you bucks. bought them on Valentine's That's Day like, and they're like 100. <laughs> also <true>. Continue. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay. It is crazy. Sorry. Continue. I always like to go to the store on Valentine's Day and take mm. pictures of all the guys waiting in line. I just think it's the sweetest. I do. I'm like, every year I go to the store on Valentine's Day. My husband normally gets me flowers, but I just love seeing everybody lined up. Okay. So. Val- got it. So yeah. my mom loved yellow roses. So I look at the dozen mm. ro- long stem yellow roses Ooh. and it's like, that's money. I don't have as a five-year-old. Yeah. Okay. And so that's a bummer. Until springtime comes. And uh-huh. then one fine day. Yeah. 
the whole neighborhood is covered with these little yellow, yellow flowers, flowers, dandelions. And so what little boys of a certain age do is gather up the dandelions and they present them to mom. Yeah. Right. And what does mom do? Mom oohs and ahs over them. She says, they're beautiful. She says, thank you. She says, I love you too. She recognizes this is a love thing going on, right? And what does she do with those dandelions? Puts them in a vase. Mm -hmm. Or a little glass of water. And where does she put that thing? (laughs) On the kitchen table. Yep. Uh, Or if you have a house with a little... uh, Sink over the uh, window over yeah, the kitchen yeah, yeah. sink, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. But it's in a, in a prominent place yes. where you're going to see it a lot. That, That's the key, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So moms say those words. Thank you. They're beautiful. I love you too. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to say is by their generous reception of the gift that their son has given them, they communicate a fourth thing, which is, honey, I want to receive more of you. And I don't think any mom has used those words. If I tell this story long enough, maybe they will start. Yeah. Uh, but every little boy hears them. Because when mom so generously receives the dandelions, right, uh, every little boy is like out the back door. You know, yeah. dandelions are an endangered species Yep, yep. <laughs> for a while Yep. until mom finally hits her limit. And she's like, OK, like enough with the dandelions. Yeah. OK, so I think this exchange is a great icon of our relationship of love with God. But the key is who's who in the exchange. Mm-hmm. And for me in my life, it's very easy to focus on like, oh, yeah. Like, I want to do great things for God. I want to be a great saint. I want to be a holy priest. I want to grow in every virtue. Like, I want to do these things for God. Amen. That's true. And I can easily picture myself like a little boy. Like, that's like, you know, three dozen long stem roses of spiritual achievement, you know? Yeah. And I can't do that. I can't come up with that. And so what I come up with is like, dandelions. And I can easily picture God just kind of patting me on the head. Oh, like, that's very sweet. You know, thank you so much. Kind of rolling his eyes at Jesus over there. Yeah. <laughs> the father. Yeah. Like, okay. But it, actually that's backwards. So in truth, it is God, Jesus, the eternal son of God who comes to us in the distressing poverty of the little baby born in Bethlehem. And he makes a complete gift of himself to us. Like mom cherishes the dandelions because she knows her son is poured an immense value into him. It's like all the love of his little heart. That's why moms don't like, Look at the dandelions like, get these weeds out of my house. Right. That'd be absolutely crushing. Right. They know to cherish the the tangible sign, this poor little sign, as if they like when their baby boy is first placed in their arms, they with great care and tenderness, right? So uh I can picture myself like God, but it's Jesus who comes to me um in the distressing poverty of that little baby boy, and he makes a gift of himself. And he does through so through tangible signs, like in the Eucharist in a unique way. He so infuses these poor little elements of unleavened bread and cheap wine uh, with his love that, in fact, uniquely in the Eucharist, they become him, body, yeah. blood, soul, and divinity. Yeah. But God gives us other dandelions in our life, too, like a word of scripture that brings peace or encouragement or light into a little darkness in my day. Or uh, parents, you know, you have your children come up and they give you their hugs, but every now and again, there's a hug that just like mm-hmm. pierces the heart. Mm-hmm. That's a dandelion or a timely call from a friend like, oh, it's just you're on my mind today. And just, oh, it's the person I really need to hear from. Like and we're grateful for all those things like mm-hmm. right those mm-hmm. those experiences of love that are communicated through tangible signs. So all of them as gifts have their origin in God. How can I say to God in relationship? God, thank you. They're beautiful. Uh, I love you, too. And I want to receive more of you. I do all of that perfectly, even without words when I generously receive the tangible sign, right? 
So going back to my day today, I'm happy that it's sunny out, even though it's 20 below today. Yeah. Just interiorly in my heart, I can keep going back to that gratitude for the sunshine. And it kind of deepens and unfolds. Like when mom comes back into the kitchen and she sees the dandelions in the vase on the kitchen table again and again, the whole sweetness, that mystery of that like gift of her little boy's heart full of love for her deepens and expands and becomes more full every time she keeps going back to it. Yeah. So that is the habit of seeing all things as a gift in, yeah. of God's love for us. Like the more I just let myself rest in something that I'm grateful for, paying attention to, oh, there's a giver of this gift. And what is God saying through this gift? He's saying he loves me and making a free, total, faithful, life-giving gift of everything he is for my benefit. In fact, that's what's happening in every expression of love. And if I just keep going back to that, that mysterious reality of love kind of deepens and unfolds until it fills the heart to overflowing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I want to go back to something that really struck my heart as you were talking about, kind of the, the backwards way of viewing that, of bringing the dandelions forward. And you can just kind of imagine God patting yeah. you on the head and looking at Jesus like, oh, uh-huh. nice try. Yeah, nice try. And that... I. I feel like I need to pray with it, actually, because it's like really stirring something in me. But why is it that we so often think that God simply tolerates us? Mm-hmm. And I think especially as we enter into Lent, I made the joke at the beginning about me not really loving Lent. And I think that some of it is mm-hmm. because of this. I feel like such a failure all the time with mm-hmm. my Lenten penances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm going to be awesome. And then you know, the first Friday comes around and it's like, oh, frick, meat. <laughs> you know, I totally forgot. So, um, and I think then I get discouraged. I get mm-hmm. really discouraged with myself mm-hmm. um, because ugh, I have not, I have so little to offer, right? Mm-hmm. Or this idea. So where do you think that comes from? Because I don't, I don't think that's just me. I think that's actually a common experience for a lot of people. Um, yeah, where, why do we do that? Because we haven't had a lot of experience of unconditional love in our life. Yeah. Amen. You know? Yeah. And we we really think of love as a kind of transactional thing. Mm-hmm. Like If I do this. If I'm lovable enough, then maybe someone will love me. Right. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. Preach. God created you uniquely and unrepeatable as an expression of his love in the world. Uh, and you are eminent. Every human person is eminently lovable and is in truth loved by God before they do anything, right? And we're not loved because of our successes and we're not not loved because of our failures. God's love is truly unconditional. But because God loves us and would spare us the misery of uh, that comes when we sin, he continuously calls us to repentance and gives us seasons like Lent to enter more deeply into repentance. So think of the... Um, you know, the gold standard of uh, like repentance and reconciliation in Jesus's teaching is the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. The fullness of that is when he, the son, this wayward son enters into the joy of the father. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important for us as believers in Jesus Christ and his revelation as God, that God loves us with this infinite and unconditional love that we recognize what we're called to in this penitential season is all at the service of entering into the joy of the Father who restores all things. Mm -hmm. It's not a time of like indulging self-recrimination, self-rejection, beating ourselves up in all the ways that we do. Yes. It's not, that's not what Lent is. And if it's viewed that way, people aren't going to enter very deeply into it. Right. 
or they're going to get discouraged right. really quickly because there's no end. There's no end zone to right. that. You know, like it's not actually oriented towards God at all in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants that for Lent? Who wants that for Lent? This is, I just, I, this is the most positive conversation I've had about Lent in a long time. Do you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of the um, dialogue surrounding Lent is often really oriented towards suffering and hardship and, 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 and in some ways because of its penitential nature. And mm-hmm. I think that that sort of makes sense. Um, but if we're not rooted, if we're not rooting it in the love of God and actually in gratitude for the gifts that he's given us, we're actually mm-hmm. totally missing the boat. Right. So it is, you know, just liturgically, it's a season of preparation for what? For Easter. Yeah. <laughs> like this is yeah. where we're headed. Yeah. And if I'm engaged and it's so easy, like I, whatever I'm sharing in this moment, I certainly came to in life. I wasn't, didn't grow up that sure. way. Right. Right. I came to in life. Yeah. And uh, so I know that it's a very easy thing for like everything you're describing. I think is very real. Like people yeah. are just kind of generally discouraged. Like this is the season to acknowledge what losers we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan yeah. Lyons. Very wilty, much wilty. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really like, no, I, I just recognize um, I need a savior. Yes. But I want to enter deeply into the gift of salvation, which is premised on his unconditional love for me, so that I can rejoice in it all the more as we mm-hmm. come to Easter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're changing the way that I'm going to take my glucose test on Thursday. Did I tell you about this? No. I flunked out of my glucose test. Not because I failed the test, but do you know what this is? I don't. Okay. So when a woman is pregnant, she has to drink this poison. Mm. And which is basically like a million grams of sugar. And then they take her blood to see, is her body processing this? Okay. I'm trying to make it sound as miserable as it is. It's horrible. So I had to take it last week, flunked out of it. Not because I failed the test, but because I got sick. Because who wouldn't get sick on an empty stomach drinking this whole thing of, you know, poison. It was terrible. And I was so discouraged. And then the nurse called me back. and was like, okay, so do you want to go ahead and reschedule that for next week? And I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't. Can I, I just like, I have a weak stomach when I'm pregnant. It's not going to go well, whatever. So anyways, but it's this Thursday and I, I have been dreading it. I, I know it's not a big deal. And there's a whole lot of pregnant people or women that have had babies that are listening to this. That's like, oh yeah, it was no problem. I hate it. I think it's just terrible. But you are, and I, but I, and I was thinking about it this morning and thought, oh, how perfect that that's actually like right after Ash Wednesday, mm. Thursday, this, this little suffering, but man, can I turn that into this great grace of gratitude mm. for the gift of life that I've been given, you know? And yeah, so you're just really transforming even already because the sufferings will continue to come or the penances that we, that we choose the giving up of a Coke or whatever. Um, but can we can we turn that into this abundance of gratitude mm-hmm. for all of the gifts that God has given us and actually allow it to orient us towards great hope? Yeah. Amen. And that's why I just come full circle back to my my very first point. And the thing I always want to say about Lent, first of all, is get clear in your heart and mind good things that you want to ask of God to receive as a gift from him. Yeah. And whatever else you're doing in Lent, make sure that it is an occasion to seek and knock after those things mm-hmm. for sure. And that will be quite transformative in just the way you describe. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the example that you used at the beginning, um, 
the the grace of a greater awareness of God's love. Yeah. But that could really be anything, right? Mm-hmm. So do you encourage people to offer specific intentions like uh, healing of someone who's sick or something like that? Or is it really more oriented towards a person's yeah, so it's, of course, a great and beautiful thing to pray for other people and their needs and the needs of the world. Like, the church does that. And sons and daughters of the church, we are called to do that. I would say in addition to that, I also, because this is the thing that's more easy, because petitionary prayer, which is what you're describing, is probably the thing people are most familiar with in praying. Right. You know, bless right. God. and I'm sorry, bless grandma and yeah. grandpa and the dog. Yep. And like, you know, yep. um, from when we're little kids. But we easily and much more easily overlook like, oh, I need to ask God good things for myself that it will help me in my relationship with him and in my life. And that that's not selfish. Yeah. And that's not like something I have to like be worthy of. Like actually just it shows faith and honor and trust in God when I ask yeah. for those things also. Yeah. It's um, so like even like a grace to forgive so, someone. Yes. Or... Yes. <laughs> all the things that we can ask for. I'm thinking yeah. of in the spiritual exercises, all these different graces we ask for over 30 days. Yeah. Uh, and they're beautiful. Uh, and maybe I can post at sfcatholic.org slash adultformation slash resources. Maybe I'll go. put my sheet that That'd lists awesome. all these graces yeah. on them. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, like, yeah, healing from some past hurt. Yeah. Uh, being free from a burden of resentment or unforgiveness yes. or, you know, something I want to grow into. Like, yeah, I want to be more patient. Help me to be more patient. Yeah. Great. Or more disciplined or yeah. more whatever. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, not trying to spiritualize, figuring out and fixing ourselves, yes. uh, but asking God for the good things that I know I have. In fact, actually, it's an act of humility. Like, Lord, it's not going to be me just working a bunch harder to get better at this. Yeah. That's Pelagian. That's a heresy. It has to be like, received. Yeah. It's a gift. There's a gift for me to receive, yeah. and I'm turning to you, and I'm seeking and knocking and asking first yes. of all. Yes. Oh, I love it, Father. Okay, my final question for mm. you. I ask every guest that comes on Lead Him to Life if there's a question that you've been pondering. And this really stems from my desire that this would be a place with more questions than answers, and mm-hmm. it's really in the pursuit of truth and discovery of who we are, who God is um, the world in which we live, et cetera, that uh, we can grow. So I want to know, I forgot to warn you that I was going to ask Sorry. you this. Sorry. I should have remembered from last uh, time. No. Uh, I want to know, is there a question lately that has been on your heart and on your mind uh, that you have been pondering? Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm going to, maybe this is cheating. But it was a question that was asked on a, a Catholic Answers live podcast the other day. Okay. Which is, is hell unfair? Hmm. That we are limited and temporal beings, that we could, is it fair that there'd be this eternal punishment for something that I'm not an eternal being? And uh, there's a really good answer to that question. The answer is no, it's not. God is not unfair, not unjust. But delving into that, that has just opened up a lot of questions for me. That might not be super relevant to a bunch of your listeners, but it's actually been very profound uh, for me. For you to ponder. Entering into like, wow, um, our real dignity as human persons and what it means for me uh, when I choose something else in place of God yeah. and what that looks like in my yeah. life. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, okay. I've been thinking of, so. this is why I ask this question. I love that. Even if it's not relevant, mm-hmm. 
a, a question for you that was posed on a podcast that you were listening mm-hmm. to has opened up a million other ponderings mm-hmm. of who God is and who you are as a human being. And that's a that's like the best example ever. I love it. <laughs> You're giving Great. me a thumbs up. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Father, thanks for coming on. Great to be here. Happy to come back any old time. Deal. You are hired. Um, Friends, I hope that you would share this episode with a friend, uh, especially as we enter into this beautiful season of Lent. Uh, And I pray that it would be filled with the love of God, a greater awareness of his many, many gifts that he is pouring into each and every one of us every single day. Until next time, God bless. God bless.